You sending the whoop? Shit, that's all you had to say. Get away from her, you bitch. Banana. Fortune and glory, kid. Fortune and glory. You're not even interesting enough to make me sick. It's only an island if you look at it from the water. I'm your density. You think I'm gorgeous? You want to kiss? Hello, everyone, and welcome to Sending the Wolf. My name is Clark Wolf. Thank you so much for listening today. Um, we have a really fun episode getting back into some popcorn movies. My guest is a personality and comedian, Christian Harloff. Christian Harloff is uh, in charge of development over for Collider Video. He is the uh, creator and uh, mastermind behind the movie Trivia Schmodown, and he is a comedian and uh, as well as many, many other things. Um, and he's also a really good friend of mine and I have been wanting to have him on the show for a long time. And it finally happened. We were able to squeeze in an hour before the Christmas break. And, uh, Christian and I are diving into Raiders of the Lost Ark. So, um, what's fun about this episode is we recorded it before Christmas or before the winter holiday break. And, um, I, I was under the weather over the winter holiday break. And so I did a lot of TV watching, um, and HBO was re-airing their documentary about Steven Spielberg. And uh, if you haven't seen it, it's really, really great. I highly recommend it. Um, it's a nice overview of his career and some of the trials. You know, when we think about Steven Spielberg, we think of him as this iconic figure. But, you know, there were definitely some struggles along the way. And, um, and you know, the way we think of Spiel Steven Spielberg in 2019 is not necessarily the same way that people thought of him in the late 70s or in the 80s or even into the 90s. Um, you know, Cr Christian and I talk a little bit about, about how Schindler's List was was probably the big turning point for him in terms of respect from, uh, from his peers and from critics, despite making very successful, fun uh, films. So with that said, we're talking about uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark with a little, little side, si there, but there's a lot of sidetracks in here. Christian and I talk about Rob and Arnold Schwarzenegger, uh, which is something that we do often. Um, but then we get into and we get into the Spielberg of it all. Uh, and we talk about the franchise, the bigger franchise, the bigger Indiana Jones franchise. And, you know, what we as fans would like to see from it going forward, what we think of it looking backward. And it, it's a lot of fun. And it's also this episode is a great preview. So um, I had uh, the lovely Blair Bercy on my podcast. Um, she her episode is going to be coming next week. And she and I recorded over the winter break and we talked about Jaws. And so in that future episode that you will hear, I reference the conversation I had with Christian. And as I had just refreshed my mind on watching the Spielberg documentary, re-listening to my conversation with Christian, there was a lot where I was like, oh, I should have mentioned this or I should have mentioned that. Um, and so a lot of that comes out in next week's episode with Blair talking about Jaws. So I think it's, it's going to be a really nice little um, informal two-parter in a way. So kicking it off here is 
is Christian Harloff, my buddy and friend, talking about Raiders of the Lost Ark. I'm rolling, so don't say anything you don't want. Uh oh. Uh, I've never been in this position. Elevens of people here. Oh, stop it. People love this show. Um, I'm very excited to do this. This is great. Um, Okay, but I think we should start by, and there's no fancy intros or anything here. I do the intro earlier, so it's very cash. Oh, so I have to come back and listen to the intro. That's right. Yeah. Maybe I will not say anything nice. (laughs) Depends. I know. I know. Um, But uh, but I want to start by the fact that you tried to pick a movie that was not on the list I know. and then fought me over it i know you know what it wasn't that i fought you over it i didn't understand i didn't understand i was like because I, I think even when you read that actual email i was i was saying what had i the way that i you read it wrong because when i you, read it wrong you did i wish i could take out our emails because when when you responded it was like oh no, no no she thought i meant it this way but i was simply asking a question like it's Oh, I was, I was just asking because I wasn't sure. You were asking if it was on the list. I was asking. I was thinking. I was asking you that it needed to be on the list, oh. and I've forgotten the. And, and, Got it. The and, thing at the end. Yes. Got it. And so that was that's when you're like, no, I've checked. It's not on there. <laughs> I'm like, I believe you. I believe you. Um, so okay. I figured that the other two that I chose, one of those had to be. on the Yes. List. Yeah. yeah. And and for our listeners, you you guys could have heard a conversation about Rocky today, uh, but I just couldn't do it again. Do you know the strength? I just yeah. Uh, yeah. You, did, did you do Rocky? Who else did you no. Rocky? No, 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 no. I just couldn't sit through it again. (laughs) You don't like the first Rocky? No. No? It's boring. (gasps) Clark Wolf. My heart you break. I feel like Adrian, and I mean this not crassly, in a crass way, but I feel like the character of Adrian in the first Rocky, she has like three, she says three words, and she seems either young or Slightly mentally handicapped. Well, they kind of they kind of hinted that though in the movie, yeah. To where like he thinks, you know, the the gangster who says to her, "She's retarded. Take her to the zoo." And he's and she's just shy. I know, but uh, he just like over. I don't know. It's oh, weird. Man. I don't like the way that she's like trying to leave the apartment. And he's like, "No, I'm gonna keep make out with you." What's funny? And about also, my, she's yeah. like so like. And again, because she's either shy yeah. or something. It's like, baby, it's cold outside. No, it is not. I will, no, people do not understand what that song I, is I'm about. I'm totally kidding. That's just, that's why I'm saying how ridiculous No is. one can see me, but I'm shaking yeah. my so finger. Wait, where do you stand on that, the baby it's cold outside? No, I don't think it's offensive. I'm with you 100%. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was just saying the same the thing. When he's when he's got his arms up, Rocky, when it's, Rocky has his arms up and he's holding her back, and it's like, no, he's can't leave. You know, it's it's one of, it's, it, my friend Steve Simone is a comedian. He, he, he talks about that. He's like, that's a little day rape. It's <laughs> yeah. a little <laughs> Right, it's, right, right. And especially, too, because they do imply that either she has some sort of handicap or is very young, but you say she's shy. Uh, she said, yeah, she, she says it in the, in the monologue a couple of times. She talks about, like, because she finally opens up, because that's the whole point with those two, is that they're, they're complete misfits on opposite sides. She's real smart, but so shy and such a, an introvert right. that he is able to crack her out of the shell because we see that evolution from from all the way up until Rocky Five, which was her last appearance in right. the series. But um, I know she I, comes yeah. out of the shell later. Yeah, for I think, sure. I think like two is when she really comes out of the shell. Yeah. Have you ever seen two? I don't know. Oh, man. I've definitely seen 
Uh, you know, I think we've talked about this. My dad was not a sly guy. Right. My dad was Arnold. Arnie. And so uh, I, I did I did not grow up watching any so of this. So you watched Commando. I watched Predator. Yeah. And then he, Last Action Hero, True Lies. Okay. Uh, uh, oh I've gosh. always been a fan of your dad, and now I'm a little bit more of a fan. Yeah, yeah. He, he likes Arnold because he respects Arnold. Not that he doesn't respect Sly, yeah, but it's more just as, as an athlete, because my yes. dad was an athlete. So he, was he a bodybuilder? Uh, no, a he was a football player, player right. and right. He, he ran, too. Right, yeah. and yeah, Arnold was, I mean, Arnold was the pinnacle of, of bodybuilding. Yeah, and yeah. he really admired, like, his, um, you know, his his dedication. And bravado. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. he really did, he did. And we watched a lot of Lou Ferrigno, too, when I was little. Have you ever seen Pumping Iron? Uh, no, so actually, I, I mean, never with, uh, have. Schwarzenegger? Yeah, I need to. What he says to... He gets in his head. I, he, I mean, it is, it is legend <laughs> stuff. Lou, come here. Let me tell you something. What are you doing? Are you picking that up? Ah, come on, put it down. You can't. You can't do it. And it's just the way that he talks to him. And it's just, it's it is. It's like a, it's so it's, it's an athlete just going right into his head. And it it's it's fantastic. I love it. It's fantastic. So we're not talking about Rocky no, though. No. And uh, we're not talking about in, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger either. Right. Uh, but we are talking about. So uh, we're talking about Raiders today. And I want to start by asking. Why? I mean, the Rocky thing I know, I get. I We talk about Rocky yeah. semi-often, I would say. Lot, yes. <laughs> it comes up. Yeah. Actually, um, no, I'm a boxing or combat sports person. Yes. yes. But... Why? Why? I didn't know that Raiders. Like I didn't. I didn't know that that was. I didn't know this was an interest of yours. It's my favorite Spielberg movie of all time. Okay. Um, favorite. Well, that and Save a Private Ryan. Sure. But I think that what um, Raiders of the Lost Ark did for the adventure genre is very underrated. Absolutely. I think that what Lucas and Spielberg did for these um, adventures, that these types of adventures that they grew up with as kids, mm -hmm. these types of the books and the comics and things that they read as kids and the way that they translated that with Kasdan's script, it, it just is unmatched and they just don't make movies I, like that anymore. And I hate to sound like the, my, my, my mother, but, <laughs> it's, but the score, the John Williams classic score, um, there was just, and it was, it was risky too. There were, it, it had horror elements mm -hmm. inside of it. It, the once again that word of bravado comes in with with Harrison Ford and the way he played Indiana Jones and the fact that they could make him this rugged explorer and then on the other side he's this kind of he's a nerd he's a, nerdy he's a legit nerd yeah, yeah yeah so I love the movie and it's it, it's actually people always, a lot of people will pick Last Crusade as their favorite indie mm. Raiders is I think. A near perfect film. Totally. Yeah. Well, you know, my uh, the indie I grew up on was Temple of Doom, of course. I love that movie. I had to watch the scary one. Has it held up though? It has, if you grew up watching it. That's, well, that's true. <laughs> that's true. I, you know, that's why when I realized, you know, uh, what I wanted the movie I really wanted to talk about with you, um, but it's definitely not on any list. Flash Gordon. Oh, yeah. oh my God. Yeah. That is one I grew up on. Yeah, that would have been fun. I mean, that yeah. is one. Anytime you want to talk about that. Just in general. Just in general, yeah, we, we can do that. <laughs> I was bummed that Bohemian Rhapsody didn't have uh, any of the Flash sound. Oh, so I'll tell you, I haven't seen Bohemian oh, Rhapsody. Okay. Um, I like Rami Malek a lot. Yeah. Um, and I love Queen. But I like nothing else about what I've... That movie, I just feel oh, like I've Brian Singer well Brian Singer, yeah. but also I have heard that the band really was involved in kind of sanitizing the story a yeah, little bit. It's definitely a sanitized film. Um, I happen to love the movie. Okay, but 
it's, I talk about this all the time. The criticisms for that movie, I happen to agree with. Mm. I just liked it for the, what the criticisms were. It was, a, it was like a, a VH1 behind the music yes. mo movie. And I love that about it. So I cannot, I was just having this conversation and I know it was on this podcast. So audience help me if it doesn't come to me. But we were talking about real people when you're playing a real person and at what, but you're doing it in a dramatized fictional right. way. Right. So at what point do you feel comfortable taking liberties because this is a character and these are characters that we're playing? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's like, a fair point. I think that that's also when I think that the the safe the safeness for the producers is that well the band's here and they were there right so they can that's that's kind of the that's safe their thing. version that's the out that's the out that they probably had on it but I wanted to feel good because a lot of these a lot of these true stories well for the the, true, the last true story I just saw was um, a beautiful boy mm, right yes yes with Julia Roberts no 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 that's uh, Ben is back oh uh, beautiful boy is Nicole the one Kidd. That's um, Boy Erased, <laughs> but Beautiful Boy is Steve, Steve Carell. Yes. <laughs> you do not get the showdown points. Oh, God. Um, but, Multiple choice. Yes, but it's, it's Carell and, and Timothy Chalamet, okay. which is yeah, a true story. And it is another one of those great movie. Yeah. Really good movie, but none of those movies that you just leave and you're just way down and it is depressing yeah. and like you feel sad. And there is some stuff inside of Fred, Freddie Mercury's life that is very sad. Mm -hmm. And there is stuff that, they, but they don't explore, they don't go down how he died and all. They, they cover about when he revealed he had AIDS and had AIDS, but it ends with Live Aid and it mm -hmm. ends with a concert film and it ends with me feeling good singing Queen songs and it's really all I wanted. Mm -hmm. And I got out of that movie what I wanted. That's fair. Yeah. That's totally fair. And again, I haven't seen it, so I can't criticize it. I just haven't, the, the, it's one for me that I thought, I can watch this on HBO. Right. I can, you know, yeah, that's I don't fair. have to hurry. I'm curious after you watch it what you think. Yeah. yeah. I mean, again, I'm totally open to, um, I mean, I really do like Rami Malek and I think he's great casting. Um, but, uh, yeah, so, okay. okay, that's good. Okay, so, um, Indiana Jones. So, I grew up with Temple of Doom. That was my jam. And, um, Raiders was the one that I came to last, honestly. Oh, wow. Yeah, for sure. We had it. We had it on VHS, but for some reason, that one was less interesting to okay. me as a little kid. And since I have moved to Los Angeles, um, there have been screenings. I have seen this movie on the big screen many times since. Yeah. And, um, and watched it many times because they're all on Amazon. But, um, this is a movie. Do you have movies where... You know you know them, mm -hmm. but for whatever reason, they don't stick. Oh, wow. Like, I've seen it a million times. And this one doesn't stick for you. It just doesn't. Like, there are scenes, for instance, uh, I'm sure you know this, Christian, yes. but we, if we play in the Schmodown, we watch movies with the goggles on of Schmodown questions. Right. So, so like, okay, what kind of snake is down in there? An asp, uh, you know, like. I've ruined your lives. It, it, yeah, you really have. <laughs> like, we don't watch movies for fun anymore. Right. And, um, but I say that because I, we really do try to, Aliens is another one that just mm. does not stick that up one, here. That one I can understand. I've seen Aliens a lot and it doesn't stick as much. Yeah. Me. yeah. So it's just funny to me how, but I, yeah, but th so this is one of those, that movie I like a lot, I've seen a lot, but for whatever reason, it's like the first time I'm watching it. Yeah, you know what it is, I think, and I think that also goes to life experiences in general, right? Like who you saw it with. Yes. What you remember about it. Like you said, like with your dad, with Arnold Schwarzenegger, you can probably remember vivid memories about Predator and things sure. because you remember watching it with your dad. I remember watching that movie, Predator, with my grandfather. Mm -hmm. So I remember a lot of stuff because my grandfather would always bust um, Arnold Schwarzenegger's balls that he didn't know how to smoke a cigar the right way. <laughs> um, but 
as far as Raiders go, Raiders I remember seeing fairly young, um, and my dad would take me to the movies a lot, so I remember that. And I remember I was creeped out, but I, it was it was creeped out in a way like not in a horror movie. Like when I saw horror, like Friday Thirteenth and Nightmare on Elm Street when I was a kid. Well, not Nightmare on Elm Street. I liked Freddy because he told jokes, but um, but certain movies I didn't really care if I wa finished watching them mm -hmm. or not. Raiders, I was a little creeped out, but I still wanted to keep watching. Yeah. Because I think that's that's also the the kind of momentum that Harrison Ford br brought to that role. What he made he made Indy so interesting. He they they were able to use humor. It's like I, it's so weird with movies. Like I just saw Aquaman. Yes, and I did too. We were at the same screening, I think. Do we two o'clock mm -hmm. yesterday? Oh, okay, we missed each other. Um, but I was just what I was noticing about that is. It's so hard for people, a lot of people, and Ant-Man and the Wasp did the same thing. Combining humor and not getting in, making it both an action movie and making the com the comedy work mm -hmm. if it doesn't feel like you're bashing over the head. I felt Guardians 2 bashed over the head. Mm. I felt like Ant-Man did that, and I felt like Aquaman did that. Mm. Um, but Indiana Jones did not do that. When they threw in the, 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 the humor, it felt like the characters would say that. Yeah, totally. It didn't feel like we were just handing out jokes. And it wasn't as... Fast and Furious as, as those movies were intended to be as far as jokes, right. but when they came, they were subtle and they worked. Do you feel like it's, there is, so something I've noticed in my own movie watching is I am, for whatever reason, much easier uh, or le more lenient on um, time period pieces. Yeah. So like, for instance, if uh, with horror movies, if you set a horror movie pre-cell pre phone technology, mm -hmm. for me, it just puts you in a different place, you know? Right, because right. if somebody is checking their phone all the time, it's hard to believe that anybody is in danger. Do you know what I yes, mean? Yeah, yeah, and yeah. so with something like Raiders, because it is a cartoon, mm -hmm. essentially. Yeah. Like, there are moments, there are beats, and I mean, liter she literally hits someone on the head with frying pan. Oh, in Temple of Doom? No, in, in Oh, Raiders. in the first one, Raiders, yeah, when he's yeah, running yeah. through, right, 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 and, and it's, it's great, and they have the big gong sound effect. Exactly, yes, yes, yes. so so yeah. I just wonder if if maybe the period element of it allows us to be a little easier on it? Yeah, absolutely, and look, the other thing is too, Indiana Jones is a straight up murderer. Oh, yeah. Like, he shoots, this is the classic scene, he's running through, he's too exhausted, so he just shoots the guy. The guy oh, takes yeah. the sword and he shoots him right in the face or in the head. But you know why that happened? Do you know the yes, story I behind do. that? I yeah, do. so if people don't know out there, Harrison Ford was sick that day on set and they were supposed to have an actual sword fight. So he looked up, he's like, how about I just shoot him instead? And they're like, all right, go for it. And I don't think they'd get away with that today. No. I don't think they would get away with the hero doing that. Yeah, I was thinking about it because um, when he when he lures the guy into the propeller and right. chuck it, yeah, like, yeah, that's a, a gruesome, like that's a very gruesome death. Yeah, he's a murderer. Um, he, yeah, totally. But uh, but I was also thinking, well, he's a Nazi. I, right. You like, know. Now, the gentleman, the, the man, I don't know if he's a gentleman, right. but the man that Indy shoots is just a guy. It's he's not just, his. He's just a guy trying to show off for his friends. Look, like, watch this guy. He's going to try to sword fight me, and then he gets shot. And then there's a, there's, I did, in college, we had, I took a course called Action Film in mm. film school, and we did sort of touch on, um, you know, these movies, and, and listen, it's a different time, but, but being aware of, like, you know, um, a certain group of people that we just go, these are bad guys. Right. And it's it's a bit irresponsible in mm. a lot of ways. Um, but, um, but again, I think that when you are making a movie in the 80s that is supposed to be like a movie in the 30s or the 40s, mm -hmm. you definitely are working with very... Uh, you know, old-fashioned yeah. morals. Yeah, well, it's the same way. I mean, that's. I think that's a great point. I think that's 
why I mentioned in the beginning of this, the way that Lucas and Spielberg, this was the stuff that they read as kids. Yeah. This was the stuff that they watched when they were kids. So they, they want, just, that's what Star Wars was. They right. want, they, it was Star Wars was just George Lucas not being able to get the rights for Flash, Flash Gordon, Gordon yeah. and making his own Flash Gordon. Right. And this was an Indiana Jones, the way that they came up with it on beach and with him and Spielberg during the, the right after episode four had come out or the new hope. Um, and they just together came up with this idea of this adventurer. And you're right. It's just, you go back into this old school way and you could get away with a lot of things and you can get away with a lot of things in the eighties in general. Right. Um, and that's why I don't think you just, you wouldn't be able to make a movie like Raiders anymore. I, I mean, and it was almost Hitchcockian in the way that they did a lot of these things to where one of my favorite scenes in that entire movie was the subtle kind of filmmaking of the shadow. Yes. When, yes. when Marion's in the bar and our first reveal of Indy to see her is the, is the shadow with the hat. And mm -hmm. it's like that type of stuff. Mm -hmm. That's just, that's classic Spielberg. And that's just kind of filmmaking you just don't really see anymore. It's true. I um, Before we get to the Spielberg of it all, I want to talk a little bit more about Harrison Ford. Mm -hmm. Because um, I, well, first of all, I want to know, do you think that anyone else could play Indiana Jones? Uh, it, it, not could have. Like, I'm not talking about Tom Selleck in the you 80s. Mean, you mean coming up? You mean yeah. now? Now? Well, I have, a, I have a, the, the theory, not the theory, but people have been talking about this because we know we're getting another one coming up mm -hmm. here, and it's Old Man Indiana Jones. And what, I, what they did with the television series at mm -hmm. one point... I forget, what was that? I forget the kid that uh, River Phoenix. No, no, no. That was that was for that was for for the, the last few. Uh -huh. That was for last. What was it called? Last, last Crusade. Crusade. That was the beginning of it. But then, Sean. I can't remember the guy's name. Sean Harrity. Yeah, what the, not Sean Harrity. Sean Harrity. Sean the Hannity. Sean Hannity. <laughs> what the hell is this guy? Anyway, who cares? Um, he, Sean Patrick Flaherty. Sean Patrick. Flannery. Flannery. I think that was who it was mm -hmm. who played young Indiana Jones. Anyway, there was an episode in the Young Indiana Jones Chronicles, and Harrison Ford reprised the role of, of, Har of Indiana Jones in the very beginning, and he reflects back when he was younger. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that that's what they should do with the next movie. They have him, for the most part, majority of the movie is old Harrison Ford, but you see an adventure mm. for maybe it's like 10 minutes, but it's Chris Pratt or it's Bradley Cooper or it's someone mm -hmm. along those lines that could do that, because then if we accept him in that 10 minutes, then maybe we'll accept him mm. in two hours in the next one. Yeah. Um, but as of right now, those are the two guys that stand out. The only problem is that they're a little overexposed. Yeah. With, you know, Star-Lord and then Bradley Cooper, more so, I think, could work. Um, mm. But those are the only two. Not to say no one could do it, but those yeah. are the two I think of immediately. Bradley Cooper, to me... Uh, is not cool enough. Okay. Um, if that makes sense. Yeah. Did you see Star Is Born? Uh, no. No. Not doing it. Why not? I don't need to see that. You movie. don't want to do it. No. I mean, again. <laughs> You've seen the other two. I'll watch it on Showtime. Okay. No, no, I haven't actually. Oh, Never okay. seen A Star Is Born. A, oh. A Star Is Born. I need to. I would love to watch the Judy Garland version yeah. and the Barbara Streisand version. But you don't honestly. want to watch this one. Not really. Okay, that's fair. But. Uh, that's a different kind of cool. I don't mean rock star. I just mean like Indiana Jones is cool if you're a little kid, mm -hmm. you know, and I don't, and, and Harrison Ford is such a, I, I, but for, by the way, I do think somebody else could play Indiana Jones. Um, but 
I do think, I also think it has to be a really special kind of actor and not somebody who's doing a Harrison Ford impression, but somebody who has the same qualities um, that he has. And for me, yeah, and and again, that is not to be disrespectful to Bradley Cooper. Bradley Cooper seems like a hardworking guy. I like him in a lot of things. He's a talented actor. He is funny. He does, I like him doing comedy. I just don't. Doesn't have the same type of gravitas as yeah. But see, and that was my biggest thing with Solo. Right. Because it's not that I thought Aaron Reich wasn't good. I think that he made the character his own. But the problem was, it wasn't that I was looking for Harrison Ford. I was looking for Han Solo. Same. And I didn't get Han same. Solo. Same, I agree. I, I, got, I just got a different character. And it wasn't that he put in a bad performance. Right. I, I liked his performance. It just, I was so used to what... Harris, excuse me, I was so used to what Han Solo had become to me, and I, from reading books, yeah. and knowing what he was gonna be in comics and video games and all this stuff that I knew who he was, I never saw him in that movie. I agree. And I think that that could happen. I think it's a little, not that it's easy, but I think it might be easier, slightly, mm-hmm. to play Indiana Jones. Yeah. I, I would agree with that. Yeah. And and those are my my problems with um with Solo as well. I didn't understand why it couldn't just be a side story, like another smuggler. I, I if I could have, you know what I mean? Yeah. Watched somebody who was Chewie's friend before he met Han. Right. They just wanted to bank off of the name. Of course. And, and I think that that ultimately was a bad decision. I would agree. Yeah. Um, but so it's it's interesting though because Harrison Ford is such a uh he as a movie star you can always tell when he's not interested in what he's doing, but when he is interested in what he's doing, he is magical. He's yeah. a movie star. He ties that whip around you and you just, you have to watch. Yeah. yeah. It's, um, I just listened to Carrie Fisher's book, The um, Princess Diarist. Oh yeah. And she kind of details her relationship with Harrison in that book. And, um, you know, the, the, picture that she paints is not unflattering, but it kind of is exactly what I always imagined Harrison Ford mm. to be like, which is doesn't talk much. Stoned out of his mind. Yeah, yeah. kind of, and like, you know, a little standoff, a lot standoffish, um, but a little, professional. A little arrogant. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, so so it is, in, I am amused at the notion that he can turn it on and be so likable. I think Indiana Jones is incredibly likable. Yeah. Um, yeah, he is. I think that that's, that's going back to what we said before about him being a nerd, because you see that when you first see him in Raiders, he's going through the jungle. He's got, he's, he's got the idol. He's, he's, you know, he's able to get away from these, from these invaders and he jumps onto this plane. And then we see a crack with the snakes mm-hmm. with Jacques. He's like, why does it have to be snakes? And we still see this kind of rugged dude. And then you just flip on. He's got the glasses mm-hmm. on, and you see the girls fawning over him, and um, and it's just, it's like two different people. Yeah. But he becomes so likable because you realize he is this one, ultimately super cool cat. Yeah, he is cool. It's yeah. Um, so all right, let's talk about Spielberg for a second. Spielberg. Miss Stevie, as I like to call yeah. him. Um, so did you watch the documentary, the HBO documentary? No, I have it at home, and I'm really looking wow. for it. I know, I heard it was amazing. Well, it's really good. Um, but one thing that they sort of talk about in the trajectory of his career, which I think now when we think of Steven Spielberg in 2018, we know and have decided that he's one of the greatest American filmmakers to ever yeah. live, right? But they really do dive into the idea that he was looked at by film criticism and and other filmmakers, a lot of other filmmakers, as a really pop kind of surface guy, and he's making movies for kids, essentially. Mm-hmm. Now, 
when I say making movies for kids, I don't mean like Disney movies, obviously. Yeah. But you know, he's not pushing the boundaries of story of of the stories he wants to tell. Now, of course, they talk about in, in with Schindler's List, and that being sort of the big turning point for him, not only as a filmmaker, but in his uh, in in the way that people in the industry received sure. him. So. I just wanted to bring that up with respect to this movie because this movie, I mean, we already talked about it. He, it's kind of like a live action cartoon. Yeah. It's a throwback to the serials, but it also to me shows such competent, great filmmaking ability that it's a, it's an interesting thing to sort of weigh both, both at the same time. Absolutely. But the thing was too, it's film was still in a very, the, the, the research, we can agree that Star Wars changed film um, in 77 from a lot of different perspectives in the way that studios approached movies as far as like merchandising mm -hmm. went, as far as um, perception went. And before 1977 or before Star Wars came out, you know, the, the movies that were in the theaters, like the big movies like Chinatown, mm -hmm. and things were dreary, things were, were dark, and but everything was so serious. Mm -hmm. and, and Spielberg and Lucas came along and started to change up the game and made movies a lot more fun mm -hmm. and we were still when you're looking at 1981 when this movie came out that's still four years removed from episode four it's still fairly young for this new people getting used to this new wave mm -hmm. because then et would be a year later and so you can see where the his peers at the time the people that were still out there making all the serious movies and the you know those movies that are just uh, we see it now in our industry as well, too, but it's just there's so much more of these types of movies that Spielberg and Lucas ultimately yeah. birthed, yes. if you will. But you can, I can understand why that would happen, and eventually it's like, okay, kid, well, you're going to make a movie about an alien, now you're going to make a movie about this, oh, another alien movie, here you go, what else you got? Well, I'm going to give you this World War II movie. Mm -hmm. I'm going to give you this now. And then people start to be quiet and see the kind of filmmaker that he was. Mm -hmm. But that's that's a career just evolving. Yeah, yeah. It, it definitely took a long time to get there. And I think that, um, you know, again, I love Raiders. I don't have any problems with it. But I do think that it it's fun to sort of trans, transport yourself to a time when Steven Spielberg wasn't respected yeah. in a way. Well, if with peers wise, yes, I think I think fans have always kind of like the the casual kind of moviegoer always had looked at him. Like, oh, it's Spielberg. Oh yeah, it's of course, Steven Spielberg. But yes, as far as peers go. But the funny thing is, when we did this list, and last year it was yep. about the top ten Steven Spielberg movies. What I realized is it's a generational thing because I think that everybody agrees that looks at Steven Spielberg's category that as overall films go, mm -hmm. Schindler's List is like his masterpiece. Mm -hmm. It's it's emotional. It's powerful. It's it is daunting. I mean, it's 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 everything mm -hmm. that he intended it to be, and it's it's something that a lot of filmmakers, if you told them, gave them the script that he had, could not do what he did. Mm -hmm. But when you look at, say, my generation that saw Raiders of the Lost Ark, and then your generation, or other, or like Copster and and Perry, mm -hmm. and I might be wrong about this, but Jurassic Park really hit for them because mm -hmm. I don't know if it hit as well for you, mm -hmm. not for you, but, but for them, for a lot of that generation, for some reason, Jurassic Park was their Raiders mm -hmm. of the Lost Ark. Mm -hmm. That was the movie that they think is the ultimate, and yes. so many people had that as number one, which I thought was lunacy, yeah. but when they started describing what it meant to them, it was very similar to the way that I felt about Raiders, because the way that I saw it, and I saw it, Raiders was my big adventure film, mm -hmm. Jurassic was there. Right. So it, it was, it's very generational, but that's why when I say, like when you look at like Saving Private Ryan, mm -hmm. and, and, and uh, 
Schindler's List, it's like you can't compare. Those are like, those are just film masterpieces. Yeah. It, it's also, too, it's, um, I think, I don't know if, the, I don't think this made it into the the compilation piece that you're talking about that is, is it still up at Collider, yeah, right? Yeah, it's on the list. Um, so, but I, I certainly felt like, you know, because the question was, okay, well, we know that Schindler's List is his best movie, but these are the top 10 Spielberg movies. Right. So like, how do you, is it best? Is it favorite? Is it, right. you know, how do you quantify this? It's always hard to think with those lists. It, it really yeah. is. But yeah. I also think that with Schindler's List not being the number one for the purposes of, of this, of the Collider list, I actually don't think it doesn't make sense because everything that Spielberg had done up until that point, um, you know, led to Schindler's List mm -hmm. in a way. But the, it was, so in a way, he had to sort of fight against the things that made him who he is in terms of this pop culture icon right. um, in order to pivot away for a second uh, for, for Schindler's List. So I actually think that, that it, it, also I think that there are... It's like factors that go into it also. It's as great as it is, I mean, it's great, it's not an easy rewatch. No, no, and no. you don't even know if you want to rewatch no. it. And you don't know if you want to put yourself through those emotions or see those types of things again. So you take those things into consideration when you're making those lists. It's just like what goes into it. Like you said, is it a best? Is it uh, how do I feel about it? Is it is it a movie? It's because you can also look at best as it's a movie I want to keep putting on television. Right. It's a movie that I want to keep firing. I don't understand the hate for Hook, by the way. <laughs> I love Hook. It's, yeah. not, it's not necessarily one of his best, but I think it, you talk about a fun movie. I watched. You it like a, it a little bit better now. I <laughs> I watched that movie a lot as a kid. Yeah. I watched Hook a lot, um, and not so much as an adult. I, yeah. It takes me to a place in my childhood that I actually don't have fond memories for. Oh, okay. Not that not that I have bad memories for it, but I'm kind of also like, eh, I don't want to be ten years old again. <laughs> I'm all set. Yeah. Isn't that funny how movies do that to you? Yeah, it's crazy. And like, it gives yeah. me, it almost makes me like skin crawly in mm, a way. The movie does. Well, it just, because it's because you go back to that. That's place. right. Yeah, yeah. I just I I don't know. It's a weird. It's a weird thing. Yeah. Um. And I think too with Hook, like it's weird with the internet, but Hook was was you know, panned when it came out, got very oh, bad reviews. That? And hmm? Did you mean to do that? Oh, no, I really didn't. <laughs> I didn't, right. but yeah. I'll take credit for yeah, it. Uh, it was on purpose. Um, but it got bad reviews when it came out, and then there was a generation of kids that grew up watching it who were like, what are you talking about? This movie's great. My daughter loves it. And yeah. now we we have <clears throat> people who are kind of raining on that parade again, and it's just cyclical, and it's Yeah, dumb. it keeps happening. But I, my, my daughter just, she well, she loves Peter Pan, so I showed her Hook, and she loves it. And I took her to the Mary Poppins premiere, and yeah. Dante Bosco, uh -huh. who plays Rufio, was there. And I had just interviewed him for Collider Live, and I walked up to him, and I said, I was like, I have to introduce you, and she couldn't. She couldn't speak. Oh, she, my daughter! It, it's amazing. You can't shut her up, mm -hmm. and she was just quiet and like. Oh, That's he's pretty my cool. Character is really cool. Um, yeah, for me, the number one is Jaws. Yeah, I can see that. Uh, that makes so much sense. Really? Yeah, yeah, it makes a lot. I mean, that's. You're you're a student in your of of old school um, film and, and and Hitchcock and and as far as overall horror movies and yeah, but I just I actually think that like I just feel like Jaws is a, is a perfect movie. 
I don't have, you know, and whether or not one enjoys the pacing of it, I think it's great, wonderfully paced. And and I think, too, Brody reminds me a lot of my grandfather. Ah, uh, okay. Um, it's funny. There's a lot of personal experiences, too. I love it. Uh-huh, yeah. 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 But, but also, I just think it's a perfect movie. Like, are so those actors, those three actors are are doing so much in in and also I can't I can't even put myself in a place where I'm 26 years old or 27 years old and I'm making Jaws. Right. That is just like it's too much. Especially when you know of all the stuff that happens on the set. Oh and yeah. How much of a disaster the set was. Absolutely. And how the crew was ready to just bail. Um, and that he was able to hold it together. That was his first real test as as mm -hmm. the great Steven Spielberg, right? Absolutely. Because if that doesn't happen, and if that shark actually makes it into mm -hmm. the movie, I don't know if we're talking about this right now. I don't if know if we're talking about we Raiders. We always have that conversation about CG too, like right. CGI now. And and if if Jaws were being made now, there would never be any problems because you just CGI the shark and whatever. Who yeah. cares? And it would turn out to be the Meg. That's a, yeah, yeah. probably, <laughs> which was less fun not, than I wanted not, it to not be. Great. Um, all right. So indie indie falls as number one for you in the series. Oh, yeah. uh, I'm sorry, Raiders. Yeah, absolutely. Um, let's talk about Marion. Man, I love Karen Allen. She's so good. She's so cool, and she's easily his best love interest because as much as Temple of Doom was fun, Willie is annoying. Oh, yeah. She's she's a cartoon character, oh, but in a bad way. In a bad way. Yeah. Karen Allen brought something to um, Marion that she could hang with Indy. Mm-hmm. Like, we didn't even get to know Indy that well, but but you just the, the, that opening scene, you know him, what kind of dude he is, and the way that he talks to people, and here comes this woman that they clearly had a history with and her dad was like his mentor mm -hmm. and there's this history behind it and it was it was just a few lines of dialogue and I got their history like mm -hmm. that and then you saw them play off each other I never doubted their chemistry once no I never doubted that they had history and that even when she when you think she dies mm -hmm. he's like just broken up about it, and he's sitting there drinking, and the thing with the monkey happens, and, and Sala, you know, trying to console him. But then when she comes back, and she has that, that drunk scene, she's mm -hmm. one. That's one of the best scenes, which because they, the the throwback of when the, the first time you yep. see her, she's pounding the shots, and yep. then she's got to do it again with Belloc down the. It's funny, you know, I haven't seen the movie in a, in maybe like a year, but I can tell you everything. Yeah. I've seen it so many times. Mm -hmm. I, oh God, I love that movie. Um, yeah, Karen Allen, you know, it reminds me a little bit of um, the Margot Kidder, Christopher Reeve pairing. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. And and for me, I like it because, uh, and I mentioned this on DC Daily recently, I was interviewing Bitsy Tollick, she plays Lois Lane for the crossover event mm -hmm. on all the CW okay. shows. And, um, and, you know, one of the things that I love so much, well, Margot Kidder, um, was great in so many things. And obviously her mental illness is well documented and it's unfortunate because I think she had great talent. And like, I just rewatched Black Christmas recently. Oh, I don't know if you've ever seen, seen it. it. It's, um, I mean, I don't know if you would like it, but it is, I think it's great. Horror film? It's a, yeah, it's a slasher yeah. movie. Okay. Uh, but it's, it's Bob Clark who did Christmas Story, Porky's. Oh, yeah. um, so it, it's very dark and it's, ups, it's disturbing in a lot of ways, but it's also really funny. And it takes place at a sorority house and, and Margot Kidder is, the dr is a drunk, you know, sorority girl, but she finds 
these moments, because basically these girls are all there at Christmas time. So you go, okay, well, why are these girls home? Why are they not home? And you find these moments with her character and she finds these moments in her character that are so heartbreaking mm. where you realize like this girl is so young and she's so drunk and she's so sad. Yeah. Um, so anyway, though, I, I bring up the Lois Lane comparison because I always love Margot Kidder as Lois because it told me as a little girl that Clark and Superman love her mm -hmm. and they love her because she's kind of quirky and weird, uh, but really mouthy and she's, be she's pretty, but she's not, smart. she's smart, yeah. um, but she's not like uh, an actress. Like she doesn't look like right, an actress. Right. And that's something where when I was rewatching today, I felt like with Karen Allen, Karen Allen had, this was cl not her first movie, clearly. Um, and she is an established actress, but she is like, he is a movie star. Mm -hmm. Right. And she is an actress. And yet there is never a moment where his star outshines her. No, it actually, it actually makes his star, she makes his star brighter. Yes. Because... When you get that kind of perfect chemistry, like you're talking about Margot Kidder and Christopher Reeve, is that Karen Allen and Harrison Ford just worked. Now, unfortunately, it was just too many years later that in Crystal Skull, the movie was just a disaster all the way around. Yeah. It, just, it just didn't play yeah. because I think that they were just so far out of tune with each other. Right. But it doesn't take away from the great performance that we got in Raiders. I almost I wanted her to come back in Last Crusade. Same. Yeah, because... In Temple of Doom, a lot of people know, or maybe some people don't, but it's it actually takes place before Raiders yes. of the Lost Ark, and so Willie has already been in and out of his life by the time he he reconnects with uh, with Mary. Yeah, and um, I you know I always sort of that is one disappointment I have is that at the end of the movie I feel like Indy and Marion are partners. And meaning, like, I feel like we're going to, it's going to be called Indiana Jones, but we're going to watch them go on an adventure right. together. And um, in the future. And then that never happened. And there's all these, like, Hollywood gossipy rumors about why that didn't happen. What was it? What, do we know? What well, the gossipy rumor, and I, I don't. money or something? No, oh, okay. is that, um, and I don't know if this is true at Just all. what you heard, right? Just, yeah, like, uh, it could, you know, but I've heard weird rumors and then I, like, find out the truth and it's like, oh, that's not true right, at all. Right. Um, but I, I, the story I always heard was that Steven Spielberg was very interested in Karen Allen, like, in r romantically. Oh, really? And that she was not. Oh, okay. And that then she was like, okay, well, you're not invited back, essentially. Oh. But I, I don't know if that's true because timeline-wise, I, I think he was... Um, he was still with Amy Irving, okay. I think. Because he, made, he met Capshaw at Temple of Doom, right? Correct. And that was a shot in an 83 well, and, and the, came out in 84. The, so actually, maybe... So the reason I actually I even bring up this, this personal life stuff is because there's some great writing done, that has been done about about how Temple of Doom is about two guys dealing with a broken heart. Mm -hmm. um, because Lucas was getting divorced, I oh, think. Oh, yeah, it was powerful. I mean, really... That, that devastating divorce for him. It yeah. was like one of them was just broke up with their girlfriend and one of them just went through a divorce. But either way, they were both going through heartache at the yeah. same time, which is why you literally have a guy's heart getting ripped out of right. his chest, right? right. Um, so uh, I, I guess timeline-wise, it kind of makes sense. Um, but yeah, I, that's sort of what I always heard about yeah. the Karen Allen of it all. I'll see you in a second. <laughs> I was, uh, the thing with that, with... I was thinking, I said, that's a prequel also, right? Yes. And then when I would go back to it, 
I don't know if I like that. Because because it's, it's just the stuff that he went through in Temple of Doom. You know, you would assume he could go through anything after that. Because yes. like, he almost he, he he goes through all the with the, 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 the serum and and with the stones and seeing the immortality that he shouldn't be that shocked when he sees all this other stuff in Raiders. And also he watches children be tortured right. in Temple of Doom. Right. Like you'd think that he would be tougher and like grizzled and you know what I mean? Yeah, and even and even so and and yeah, it's. I don't necessarily think it needed to be a prequel. It could have taken. I don't know why they did it. I don't know. Maybe because they didn't want to deal with the Marion part. Maybe. Or, or they Maybe. wanted to do something different. Or I don't wanted, know. Or they didn't want to have to connect it. They just wanted to make it separate adventures. Maybe. Um, but I thought that they, the Raiders of the Lost Ark. I always felt, and and I and I'm I'm not a hater of Temple Doom. I actually sure. I, I enjoy it, but I I think that the the two pieces the brother and sister are raiders in last crusade yeah totally they feel way more like oh, the yeah. same franchise where this strange little chapter of temple of doom is it's like oh yeah and then read this weird chapter yeah, that has yeah, nothing yeah. to do with anything else um which which is cool i'm just so nervous for the, the next one because like you say when ford is tuned in mm -hmm. it's engaging when he's not it is obvious oh. and the last the last movie he did, the the what was it called, the Crystal Skull? Mm -hmm. He wasn't he wasn't locked. Up. And he's so he is so much older now. Yeah. I mean, like at the very least in in Force Awakens, he's kind of running around, but not really. Like no. you know, he, he everything he does makes sense. Um, in Indiana Jones is such a physical role that I don't know how. Yeah. Tough. I mean, I didn't believe any of it in Crystal Skull. And he lands inside of the thing. He's looking at the two Russians, and they're just waiting for him to, to deliver his little quirky line. That's when I, in the beginning of the show, when I said how the stuff worked, yeah. the humor worked, it did not work in Crystal Skull. Yeah. It was telegraphed, and it was just lazy, and it did not work. And I was oh, I was so disappointed by that movie. Yeah, I agree. And, and also, I, I am, um, I mean, I don't know about now, but at the time, I was really rooting for Shia LaBeouf to be be more of a presence in Hollywood. Yeah. Um, and I really wanted him to, I thought he would have been actually a great heir to that throne um, or could have grown into it. Uh, and I liked that they sort of made him his son, but I like that on paper. I don't like the way that it, it got executed. Right. And, and clearly, you know, Shia has his own journey. Um, so it just was like a group of people who didn't want to be making a movie that were making a movie. Yeah, it's, it, that's that's really what it turned out to be. And the, I mean, just the, the character of Mutt, and uh, they're just going to disregard it. You know, it's funny, as you say that, you think Krasinski could do it, or is he too, is, is the office just pinned to him? I think Krasinski would be a great, I think he showed us in A Quiet Place uh -huh. that he is capable of a lot. Mm -hmm. um, I also think that whether or not you like the Jack Ryan series, I, I, I haven't seen much of it, but I am under the impression that the premise of the Jack Ryan series with him is that he's a desk guy. Yeah. And, that, and then it's like, oh shit, you're kind of thrown into it. Thrown into and, it. and so, yeah, what you get is that, that both sides, like we're talking about, you get the guy who can sit there and who can be the smartest guy or a smart guy in the room, but then you also get the running around. I think actually he, I like him better yeah, he for would, Indiana Jones. And he's already reprised a role that Harrison Ford has done, and not in Jack Ryan, but not as tied, okay. but not as tied in as the other the other two there. So 
Who knows? That's a good cast. I like that casting yeah. a lot, actually, of all the ones. Also, because he doesn't feel overexposed to me. Not yet, anyway. No. So, yeah, and, he, and he's he's also getting into that place to where he's becoming more and more of an artist inside of directing and writing and stuff, too, and maybe he'll have more. Um, he could have some really fun input in the Indiana Jones yeah, character. Yeah, I like that a lot. Yeah. Can we can we call you? You're friends with Kathleen Kennedy, right? Why don't you? Yeah, just we're give good her, buddies. <laughs> give we're her a call. Buddies. Yeah, and tell her I have some notes She'll, for. Her. <laughs> um, speaking of, did you see that thing that was floating around the internet about um, Temple of Doom and how Kathleen Kennedy is the dancer in the beginning of the movie? Is she really? Yeah, I had no idea. So there, you know, there's all those dancers, but a yeah. girl, a woman, comes out and kind of does a little tap dance, and, and it's like Kathleen that's Kennedy? Kathleen that's Kennedy, crazy. apparently. It makes sense. I mean, Frank Marshall and uh, I mean the stuff that they had done together. Um, that's crazy. I did not know. Yeah, that. I don't know. Yeah, uh, who fact. knows? It could be a lie that the internet told me, or it could be a sister. You know, she's a twin sister. Oh no, I didn't know that. I've seen her twin sister now. We've been lucky enough to go to a couple of those premieres the last few years, and she's been there. Mm. And I remember walking by and going, "That kind, that kind of looks just like Kathleen Kennedy, but for some reason, I don't think it is." And then five seconds later, Kathleen Kennedy walks up right next to her I go, because that's her twin Twinsies. sister. Twinsies. Yeah, that's it. Interesting. Yeah. Um, all right. Oh, before, okay, so before we go on to the next section, uh, I want to say one more thing, which is uh, how much I appreciate all the practical stunts and effects in this movie. Yes. Like, it really, this movie, to me, stands the test of time. I think you could watch that movie you know, 50 years from, from its release and it would be compelling and interesting and not feel dated. Yeah, well, that's that was the goal of, of... Spielberg did so much in film and then the other thing we really haven't talked about except briefly was like Jurassic Park and what, the way he changed the game as yes. far as CGI goes, yep. right? But even Jurassic Park, as, as wonderful as it still looks, because it has advanced so much, it's noticeable. Mm -hmm. And going back to what you're saying with Raiders, they didn't use, there's not a lot, there's no CGI. Right? Yeah. There's not a lot. The, the effect at the end with the guy's face sure, melting and sure. things yeah, like that, yeah, yeah. sure. But for the most part, it is practical effects, it's the stunt work, mm -hmm. and, it's, and it does still play because you could shoot the same stuff and do it the same way tomorrow yeah and it could work and and you have to give up the credit to the great relationship that Spielberg had with John Williams mm -hmm. and then you could call John Williams and say this is what I need now and that I mean that theme I as you know I am a big musical score mm -hmm. person and I think score in film is vastly underlooked mm -hmm. it is um, overlooked it is so many times people don't understand how music sticks with you mm -hmm. you don't realize it it's 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 really, it's, it's subconscious inside your head. When you're watching it, the, it, it stays with you and it, it's manipulating you through, through when you're watching it, whether good or bad. You could be, when the music tone is very slight and it's under it, but it's, it's sad and you start feeling mm -hmm. emotional. Yeah, it has absolutely to do with the way that the movie is shot and the way that the performances are, are telling the story, but it's the music that is setting that overall tone. And what John Williams' score does in Raiders from not even just the main theme, but the stuff inside of that chase. Mm -hmm. The chase is as much of a character as mm -hmm. Indiana Jones and Marion are. So that, that's that's why I th that's why I call it a perfect film because everything together, the practical effects, the stunt work, the performances, the music, um, 
the tone of knowing what it wanted to be from frame one mm -hmm. to the last frame. That's why I love it so much. Yeah, this summer, um, did you see John Williams in concert this summer? I, this summer I did not, but I usually I usually always go. I didn't go this year. So this was my first year. Oh, and great, uh, isn't it? my yeah, yeah, it was wonderful. And my parents were in town, so they, it was Labor Day weekend, and so we got oh, we they took, went with we, you? Oh, yeah, cool. we took them. Justin and I took them to the Bowl to see John Williams in concert. Uh, and um, for our listeners who don't know, they do this pretty much every year. He does it every year. Um, but this year, Steven Spielberg was his guest. I, know. I heard that. And I exactly. And, and that was what was so crazy to us was I bought those tickets and like, I didn't buy yeah. them because it didn't say and special guest Steven no, Spielberg. No, I got Julie Andrews, which is oh, cool. That was, that was cool. That's awesome. Yeah. That's very cool. Um, but for different reasons. Yes. Um, but to, speaking of Indy, you know, that was the, um, the second act opener with Steven oh, Spielberg cool. coming out and showing you why music is so important to mm. his movies. And so he started with the opening scene from Last Crusade, uh, and which is River Phoenix as, as young Indy. And so he shows that whole seven minute sequence, six minute sequence with no music. And then Spielberg comes out, talks about it some more and says, okay, now here it is with the score. So and cool. it was very cool, but it was also, it was, it was, I mean, it could have, it was, I'm sure it was all scripted, but it was a bit, it was cute that Steven Spielberg came out and he was like, now this, you know, five and a half minute scene is going to feel a lot longer to you guys. And it goes on and on and on. Like he was very, you know, self-deprecating in right, a way, right, right. but saying that John's score is what makes it fly essentially. Yeah, it sure does. Man. Um, yeah. It was really cool. Yeah. That's was awesome. Great. That's fun. Did your parents like it? Oh yeah. Cool. That was, I mean, that was like a, you know, an LA thing yeah, that yeah. you can't get anywhere else no way. also a couple of months later um or you know a couple of weeks later john williams was hospitalized right. in london and we were kind of like oh gosh and he is old he's he's yeah. old um so anyhow okay before we move on any final thoughts on raiders no i just think if you haven't seen the movie especially you know this is i think that's what's so great about your show is that people if they haven't caught mm -hmm. a lot of these movies they should go and check it out if you are, uh, are digging what we're putting down. And yeah. I think that this is one of those movies that is a must, not if you're a Spielberg fan, but if you're an adventure fan, if you're a Harrison Ford fan, it's a classic. Yeah, it really is to me a, a definitive adventure film yeah. that stands the test of time, but also pays, I mean, is, it's all paying homage to what has come before, which I like. Like even in Aquaman, um, like it or not, I, which I, I liked it, um, it's too long. Too it's too long, yeah. but um, but I liked a lot of it. Had fun with it. I noticed the beats that were throwbacks to Raiders. Mm -hmm. I noticed the beats that were throwbacks, and and that's really cool. It is fun when there are moments that are throwbacks to what's come before. But indie is Raiders is a throwback. Like the yeah. whole thing is is old fashioned in a way, but with modern storytelling, right. which is very cool. Yeah, that was the thing that's like because we have such a library of movies now right that yeah. we can always say well that reminds me of terminator that reminds me of aliens that reminds there we don't have the reference there are a lot of people i'm not william bibiani you know i don't i don't i don't have a, a none a, of us are except for a, william bibiani right i don't have a pure knowledge of every movie that came out in 1939 yeah. um but uh, it's just when you're we can like if we see a movie like aquaman mm -hmm. We can call back. So I'm sure there are a lot of people that saw Raiders in 1981. Is yes. it? Oh, that reminds me of that movie I saw in 1962 or whatever. And yes, that's what movies do. That's yeah. what storytellers do. They borrow. 
It's great. My my high school drama teacher always said, everyone steals, steal from the best. Yes. <laughs> okay, so everyone he's gets to... Yeah, he's... <laughs> we don't talk about it. Uh, no, he was the best. Uh, okay, so everybody gets to add a movie to the list that is not on the list, and um, I think I know what yours is, unless you've changed it. Right. But, um, so what would you add to the list? I'm not going to go with Flash Gordon, because I think that we, because we, we, you and I should just do a whole thing on Flash Gordon, but I will do the one that I pitched. Okay. Uh, Eternal Sunshine and the Spotless. Yes, you and John Roca are going to get tissues and cry together. Did he talk? Did he chose that this one? This is the one. I don't know if picked. he chose that I missed his episode, so maybe it, I'll choose something else. See, but so now one. you weren't reading my emails because I put that in an email to you. You did? You I said John Roca oh, picked, picked that, that as his, it. yeah. Oh, yes, yeah, so that one's just. You know which one I'll pick? Because huh. it was therapeutic to me, that movie. I'll pick another therapeutic movie. Okay. Which is a strange therapeutic movie. Okay. Closer. Oh, with, interesting. With Julia Roberts, oh, yeah. Clive Owen. I had just wow. experienced a breakup. Okay. When that movie came out. Like I'm, and I'm talking a week mm. before that movie came out. And the movie has to deal with uh, relationships and infidelity. Mm -hmm. and, and I, like I said, I went through stuff with my old relationship that was very similar. Not stuff that I did, let's mm. say that. Okay. So then I, uh, I saw it, I, I said, uh, my buddy Mike and I, we went to go see the movie, and he goes like, you sure you wanna see this man? Like, you know what it's about? And I was like, yeah, I do. And Clive Owen and Julia Roberts have this scene that I still to this day will go back. I, I watched this scene maybe two weeks ago. Mm. And their scene that they have to, you talk about chemistry, mm. and this is based, this is a play that, that came out first, but, and the raw dialogue and pure emotion and honesty that come out of both of these actors, and the, it was it's some of the best dialogue. And it's just, I don't even want to say a lot of the dialogue on the show because it's so crass. Mm -hmm. But there's just one thing. Do you curse on the show? I forget. Yeah, yeah. So and it's just at the very end, and he he asks, he's asking her about these sexual escapades that she's, that she's having with Jude Law. She says it, he finally gets her fired up, and he goes, that's it. Thanks for being honest. Now fuck off and die, you <laughs> fucked up slag. And I went in the in the audience. I was going through the stuff. I went, woo! <laughs> like I cheered because it was just like he he did this thing that and the and he was not a good guy right. either. He was he was he had just done. It starts with him admitting that he was a prostitute, mm -hmm. and then he he tells her, "I had to tell you because I love you and I wanted to be honest with you," and she's cheating on him this whole entire time. But she is just miserable because like I mean she like had sex with Jude Law mm -hmm. I think an hour before this whole scene happens and it's just it, it was a very powerful movie when you really look at everything going on and what human beings really are inside mm -hmm. it or can be um so I I is Mike Nichols I believe yeah it's and, Mike Nichols yeah, and uh, yeah great movie it's a great play too it's very similar to the movie yeah. uh but it is not the movie the the ending is different okay. um and I and internet will correct me if I'm wrong but I am 99% sure Clive Owen played Jude Law's part mm. in the West End okay. so he I want to say he originated the role um in England in London when the play first went up. He's so good. In the and then he aged out, essentially, so he kind of like... And I'm so glad he did. Yeah. That's the first time... I he never really hit his potential, did he? He sure didn't. Man. And it's a drag. I, gosh, who... I was just talking about this with somebody, and we were really confused. At, oh, no, no, no. Well, Clive Owen also, but we were also talking about James... Uh, wait a second. The man... Wait. <laughs> now I'm having a meltdown. Almost there. Uh... Um, ravenous, mm -hmm. Australian guy, 
and he is also an LA Confidential. Oh, 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 shoot. Guy Pierce. Guy Pierce, here you go. See, He's this Australian. is how I do it on yeah, the yeah. Uh, on the showdown. Yes. Is just gotta talk it out, yeah. talk it out. JT rule, please. <laughs> yes, exactly. Because <laughs> I'm actually using it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Guy Pierce is another one where where I kind of was like. That guy is really good and right. really handsome. What happened? And then I did a little Googling, and, and he admittedly had a problem with drugs and alcohol. But that's not what happened to Clive Owen. No, right? I don't yeah. think so. I don't know. Was Clive Owen, children of men. I mean, there were, there were rumors that oh, he was going to be born. The Nick. The Nick. People love The Nick. I've never seen oh, it. Is it great? It's so... Okay. And also, Steven Soderbergh directed every episode of oh, it. Oh, did every one? And yeah, it's only two. Raves about it. Oh was, my God! Yeah. Only two seasons. That's where I first really discovered who Andre Holland was. Oh my God, yeah. is he good on that show? Okay. All the it, it is truly worth a watch. And Clive Owen gives this brilliant. Um, Mad scientist performance, except it's not a genre show. Okay. Um, and uh, Chris Sullivan from This Is Us and Camping. Mm. I thought that man was Irish. Oh, like, yeah. I truly thought he was an Irish actor. Okay, you know, That's how good he is good. on that show. Yeah, and I, I just I remember it because it was because of Closer. I, didn't, I wasn't that familiar with Clive mm -hmm. Owen. And he, I just remember raving about him afterwards because of that. It really, it's not only just that scene. He puts Jude Law through a mental, like, Iron Maiden. Yeah. It's it, it just, he, it, what he's able to do to him and the games that he plays and the, it's the dialogue. It's, it, I, I think that that's why I responded to it because it was, it, there, was not, there was nothing, I think, done with fists. Mm -hmm. It was all done with words and manipulation yeah. and, and just strange things that humans will do in circumstances. And Natalie Portman was really good yes. in that movie. Um, and she's another one very similar to Harrison Ford, that when she's locked in, she's great. Yes. When she is not locked in, you can tell she is there for her bank account. Yeah. 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 It's um, uh, Clive Owen and Nicole Kidman did an HBO movie where oh, right. they... Oh, wait, he was Ernest Hemingway, right? Yes, Hemingway yeah. and Gelden, yeah, Gelden, Geldhorn or Gelden, yeah, something like that. Yeah, I know what you're talking about, yeah. um, and, and I have the, the screener at home. Um, I really want to watch it because I love both of them. Mm -hmm. And um, I would love to see the two of them like really going at it together because Clive Owen also has this physical presence. Mm -hmm. he, he's a, he feels big, yeah. you know? And he never feels big. Like Eric Bana feels big because he feels muscly, yeah. but like Clive Clive Owen feels big because he just is like like a Hulk, like a true Hulk, like a lowercase yeah. Hulk. Like you know what I mean? In, in closer, because I'm a fucking caveman. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Like, it's it kind of feels yeah. that way. Yeah. We don't. Yeah, I wonder if we're gonna, if he's gonna, if he's gonna have Pop. like some mainstream, because he's worked consistently. He's always around. Yeah, I just I always thought he was gonna he was gonna be a big star. Because remember, there was a rumor for a while that before Daniel Craig that he was right. gonna get Bond. That was a great. I thought that was an awesome choice. It would have been cool. And it, depending on where they go with Bond, if they go with an older Bond or they wind up going with maybe they go with Idris Elba. But if they don't, if they go with an older Bond, I still think he could do it. I would love for him to play. Um, we need to get him into a superhero franchise. Yeah. You know? He'd probably be a villain now if he showed up. Yeah. Because this is where he is. I'd like to see him maybe play like an older Batman. Like an older, like Bruce Wayne when he's, um, oh, oh help yeah. me out. Yeah, the old, uh, the, the Dark Knight. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah uh, that so, could be really fun. Yeah, I mean, there was, there was, at one point, they were going to do that with Clint Eastwood back in the day. Oh. A long time ago. No, thank yeah, you. Yeah, I'm talking about like 15, 20 years, 15 years ago. Well, but, he got to make Gran Torino, so it's all the same. This is the same thing. <laughs> Get off my lawn, Joker. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, final yeah. thoughts, Christian? 
Final thoughts. Um, I mean, when it comes to, like, again, I think one thing with Raiders is that if you haven't seen the first three, you should. Yeah, you can skip the fourth one. Oh, yeah. um, you should watch Flash Gordon, even though we didn't talk about Flash. it. Yeah, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind is brilliant, and I wish John Rocha didn't steal my stuff. But, yep. you know, John Rocha does that. He, he just, sure does. just like your teacher. He's a thief. <laughs> um, and Clark Wolf is one of the best showdown players that's ever won. Oh, boy. All right. <laughs> you are correct on all counts. Yes. Uh, give him the points. All right, Christian. Thank you for staying late after work during the holidays. <laughs> right. See you later. <laughs> okay, <everybody>. bye. <laughs> friends that is going to do it for me today i hope you enjoyed my conversation with christian diving into the lore and the legacy of raiders of the lost ark steven spielberg george lucas all of our favorite popcorn uh filmmakers and um and as i mentioned in the intro at the top of the show this is a great um informal two-parter where next week we're going to have my episode with blair bercy talking about uh jaws and and i think if you're a fan of spielberg if you're a fan of pop culture this is that you know these are these are a good it's a good little pairing and if you haven't already go back and listen to my close encounters of the third kind episode with scott mance um it came out around this time last year and uh it, it was a really touching and sweet episode and uh and i really really liked it um and coming up on patreon this thursday i'm going to be doing an ama episode so if you are a five dollar or more monthly contributor so five bucks a month gets you uh gets you mini episodes over at patreon.com slash Clark Wolf. So check it out and, uh, and send me your questions if you haven't already. And, uh, that's going to do it. All right. I hope you're having a wonderful week and a great start to 2019 and I will see you soon.